0: you've all heard the saying there is no i in team well that's partly correct but we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team so it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success welcome to unleash your inner goldilocks how to get it just right with host dr cass henry in today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry.
1: Welcome to Unleash in Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry and I am excited to share another hour with you. Leaders are those who influence others and they evoke a sense of purpose in others such that others are willing to follow the mission of that leader. Influencing others is less of a science and more of an art. At the foundation of this art is the skill called emotional intelligence. Emotional quotient EQ is the measure of emotional intelligence, and this is very different from IQ. While IQ helps the individual accomplish results on their own based on measurements, EQ helps the individual accomplish results through others. Therefore, EQ becomes vital for leadership development. An authentic leader knows how to manage themselves and serve others to emerge as a servant leader. Emotional intelligence is a heart and mind synthesis skill that enables quick decision-making and effective judgment while not being judgmental. At AGA Greater Chicago, our mission is transforming government accountability through collaborative leadership and innovation to build sustained community of public-private university partnership for our shared prosperity. At our value, at the core of our value, is the desire to learn, lead, and leave a legacy. As we groom leaders for both public and private sector, We also make time to invest in the training and development of everyone already in the workforce. Developing authentic leaders who influence positive change requires individuals with high emotional intelligence driving that change. Knowing this alone is not enough for us. So we're developing a two-day conference with an array of training topics and unveiling one of our topics in this episode, Emotional Intelligence, Authentically Leading Self and Others. To have this much-needed dialogue on emotional quotient as well as emotional intelligence is my friend and respected professional collaborator, Bill Stark. Bill is a proven practice leader of Maverick LLC who applies emotional intelligence to business success, and I cannot see a more appropriate guest to have on this show to participate in this conversation with me. Bill, welcome back to the show.
2: Hey, good afternoon, Cass. How are you doing?
1: I am doing good, and I know you you have built your entire business and your career anchored on the knowledge of the positive side and the dark side of emotional intelligence, right? So before we delve into the topic, I want you to take a moment and tell our audience what brought you to a place where emotional intelligence became that important to you and how you approached your uh, professional world.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Cass. Uh, the, I'll give you the short answer.
1: Mm-hmm. About
2: uh, 20 years ago, uh, I was consulting for a very large utility on the West Coast, and they uh, had been able to uh, go into non-regulated areas. Instead of just providing energy, they could do whatever they pretty much wanted. And mm-hmm. they had heard about me through some intermediary. They hired me to write a strategy. And I presumed that we'd write the strategy and we would implement And then execute it uh, to the end. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But we were hired to do that. We successfully completed that project. They were very grateful for it. They thought it was great. And they didn't do it. And this went on three more times over the course of two years. And one day I went into the vice president, who was Mm -hmm. my boss. And I said, you know, I appreciate the fact that you keep hiring us and that you (laughs) spend a lot of money on these strategies, we're not doing any of them. And I feel kind of guilty that you're spending this money, but you're not getting any value out of it. Why aren't you just doing these things? And he looked at me with a straight face and he said, Bill, if you think we can just tell people what to do, then you're out of touch. It's not like that anymore. It's not the way it was when you and I were coming up in management. We don't just do what our bosses say anymore. Everybody has the ability to push back. And to cross their, fold, cross their arms and sit in the audience and say, sure, yep, I'll do it, Dave. But in the end, they don't do it. And they find a lot of reasons that they cannot do it. And I said, what's the answer? And he said, I don't know, maybe psychologists psychologist uh, to figure out what, you know, what these people are thinking. And that was the light that went off on my head. I had known a clinical psychologist who had done work for his family for a few years. They had some mm-hmm. business interests. And uh, in talking with him, who had done a lot of training, in very large companies, uh, and then talking with some former CEOs that I worked with, uh, we came up with the idea that, you know, it's not just enough to provide great management consulting or great ideas or great strategy, but you have to be able to figure out where the impediments are going to be, where the obstacles are going to be, not through financial um, machinations, but rather, who are the people that are not going to help you get this done? If you can uh, assess them and understand them and help them get through their angst or their reasons for not wanting to do something, you're going to be much more successful. And that's how Maverick got started.
1: Very, very interesting story. And it's funny how uh, funny and strange how experiences lead us to get to places where we never started our careers on. Right. So now you do mergers and acquisitions and business consulting through Maverick making emotional intelligence as one of the pillars to drive change, but it's still a very hard concept for most people. A lot of times people think emotional intelligence means people are emotional. People don't even understand the meaning of the word emotional intelligence. So how do you explain it to people in terms of what is it and why is it important? Or you just go and get things done and they... Kind of go along for the journey without realizing what's happening. I always say kind of like cooking seafood. You put lobsters and crabs while they're alive and he turned the water on and they're swimming. They don't know they're cooking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that very few people these days go along for the ride. Uh, There are always going to be some sycophants, you know, up at the senior levels Mm -hmm. or attached to any manager where they're just going to do what they're told to do or do what they think they should do because they think that's the best road to success. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that people are very much their own persons, and particularly in this country, where there's really no homogenous workforce anymore, you have many different cultures, you have many different types of leaderships, and you have many different types of industries. And I think that what people misunderstand is that there is a template for emotional intelligence that works across all people and all industries. And I would liken that and make the analogy to the uh, Japanese-created uh, um, premise of lean thinking, of which we're great proponents. But when lean thinking is brought to the U.S., it often fails, and people don't know why. It fails because Japan is a homogenous society. Most people there Japanese, the great majority, they think alike, they were raised alike, they have the same values, the same culture. And I think the same is true with trying to understand emotional intelligence. You hear it as being something that saves everybody, it improves every company, and improves every leader. And to a large extent, good emotional intelligence can be helpful in no matter what you do. Because if it's mm-hmm. not pertinent to your business life, it's definitely going to be pertinent your personal life. yes. But there are are ways of going about emotional intelligence that a lot of people don't look at. And that is, people think that if you can simply read other people, if your skill is, oh, Bill is upset today, or Bill doesn't seem like he's his usual self, so I'm going to be particularly uh, calm around him today, or I'm going to placate him, that's not emotional intelligence. That's just trying to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. But emotional intelligence, which really, it's easy to kind of understand because it's only been brought to our attention uh, back in 1990. And while most people attribute uh, emotional intelligence because of his very famous book uh, to Daniel Goleman, the fact is that there were two psychologists. Uh, One was named Peter Salovey. Uh,
4: He Mm -hmm. was out of Yale.
2: And a guy named John Mayer. He was at the University of New Hampshire, and they introduced the concept of E.I. back in 1990. But it was Daniel Goleman that popularized it in 1995. So it's kind of, that's where it starts. So we're we're just 23 years in, and Mm -hmm. there is no such thing as one way of doing E.I. or one way of learning it or one way of thinking about
3: it. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: It's evolved uh, into many, many different um tentacles, if you will, or many different veins. And it's very important to learn, to understand that most people think of, oh, if you're emotionally intelligent, if you're good with people, that's a skill you've had since you were young. Partly true. But all of the emotional intelligence tools can be learned. They can be something you didn't have, and then you learn them, and you apply them, mm-hmm. and you practice them, and you get good at them.
1: So it's interesting you bring up the fact that it's not something you're necessarily born with, but you can develop it just like any other skill. But then when we take a step back and look at the way we educate our young people in this country, we have so much emphasis on IQ. And we don't tend to develop EQ through the academic or the early early developmental Phase of children, right? K through 12? Probably not. Universities? School of businesses? Definitely not. So, does it become an employer's responsibility? Where, where do you think ideally it should start?
2: Well, wow, you're asking great questions today, Cass. Um, I think that let me equate emotional intelligence in some degree, certainly mm-hmm. not, not a, an absolute analogy. Mm-hmm. but a lot of our emotional intelligence does come through our early years how our parents react to how we act as children if mm-hmm. you have parents that were very reactive got very angry if you did something that they perceived as wrong or that you went out you know you went outside of your boundaries and their response was to yell and scream at you well if you're going to be a yeller and a screamer probably and
1: i like the fact that you said probably
2: There's no absolutes in life, no absolutes. Uh (laughs) Now, for instance, I was, I think I would consider myself, and I'm sure many people that knew me and know me would, up to 20 years ago, I was devoid of emotional intelligence because when I was young, I was very small physically. I was ahead of most of my peers in school, so I was a late birthday, I was a year ahead. And the only way that I could get my voice heard was to pretty much yell and scream. And obviously, as I got older, that wasn't helpful. And at home, I had a very smart sister who was a few years older than me. And it was hard for me to work my way into the conversation. So I would interrupt people to say, hey, I've got something to say. (laughs) And interrupting people, as you know, doesn't do anything. To get them on your side or to get them to see your point of view. Uh So it wasn't until Maverick was formed Uh that he found what I said earlier about, hey, how come you're not doing these strategies? Why aren't we implementing? That I began to learn from Marty Cohn, uh, who is Maverick's uh, head of behavioral integration management and a clinical psychologist. He started helping me to become emotionally intelligent. And of course, it was helpful to have a mentor that was quite brilliant and, and quite emotionally intelligent himself.
1: Mm-hmm. And he so, knew the way to develop you in that arena. And that, that is such a fascinating story. And I'm so appreciative you shared that personal journey. Could you hold your thought on the next uh, point there till we come back from break, Bill? I would appreciate absolutely,
2: that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Thank you.
4: What makes the most successful people tick? Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Annalisha Inna Goldilocks, how to get it just right. You're joining us in the episode, Emotional Intelligence, Authentically Leading Self and Others. So Bill, you were candid in sharing your journey in becoming emotionally intelligent. And we've always talked about the importance of being honest and vulnerable and sharing those kind of things with our co-workers and our teams and our subordinates. How does that help us when we build our teams and drive the kind of change we try to accomplish in organizations?
2: The simple answer, Kath, Uh is that we are projecting empathy. Uh We are understanding other people's emotions, and we're sharing our own. And to a degree, it's a very positive thing. Um, In the worst case, people that are very good at reading other people, And that's only one part, one small part of emotional intelligence. But people that get very good at it, that can read other people and also manage their own emotions, can also go to the dark side with emotional intelligence and manipulate people. Yes. And if you don't see it in business, I would suggest that every listener to this show, think about an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend (laughs) and think about how they were manipulated. Yes. And... That's, that's kind of the darker side of it. Fortunately, most people use it for good. But the big, the, the big picture, the takeaway, is that emotional intelligence is a lot of different things. It's not just being empathetic, and it's not just being uh, uh, accountable, and it's uh-huh. not just being positive in a, in a motivating kind of way. It's mm-hmm. also about being able to give criticism – And this may be, I think, the hardest part of being a great leader and providing great emotional intelligence is you have to be able to tell people when they're wrong, but you have to be able to do it in such a way that they don't feel wrong by it. They don't feel attacked and Uh that they see that, ah, there's another way to do it. And I think a lot of people that don't know what emotional intelligence is or haven't been um, exposed to it might just say to themselves, oh, well, that's just constructive criticism. And it is. But how often do we get constructive criticism?
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I see, you know, among our clients all the time, I'll see some manager come into the room. He'll read something somebody wrote or he'll have read it already or somebody will say something. He just no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. You, you, you should know that. That's not what I'm looking for. You know, try again and walk out the door. Well, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist or Dan Goldman to figure out how that employee feels at that particular moment in time. He certainly yes. doesn't feel motivated. Mm-hmm. So part mm-hmm. of the part of being emotionally intelligent is being able to deliver bad news or criticism in such a way that it's taken in a positive vein. And you can do mm-hmm. that. You know, Bill, mm-hmm. this is this touches on what we're what we're looking for from you, but I need more of the following. Can you mm-hmm. please go back and Bring me more of this instead of more of that. Mm -hmm.
1: So actually give them an opportunity to improve without tearing down their spirits and continue to build them up, right?
2: Exactly. Let people fail a little bit. You know, it's okay to make a mistake. Just don't repeat the same mistake.
1: Yes. I always say, if we made this... When I was working in the subprime industry, everybody would say they go for confession every day. And I tell them, if you're going for confession every day, you better be committing a different kind of sin because otherwise if I'm the priest, I'll throw you out, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Kind of the same situation.
2: You know, I think it probably is worth bringing up. And, you know, with the uh, large clients that you've worked for over the years and from both sides, you've probably seen your share of this. But a lot of people are probably thinking, emotional intelligence? What about guys like Steve Jobs? He built one of the most successful companies in the history of the United States, and Uh he was anything but emotionally intelligent. And that's true. But it turns out that not all companies and not all types of industries lend themselves to having to have leaders who have high intelligence. And particularly in the computer industry, where you have a lot of people that are coders,
3: Mm -hmm. you have a lot of people
2: that are software designers, you have a lot of people that toil away in a lab by themselves to create one aspect of, you know, 500 within an iPhone or some other piece of electronic equipment. Mm -hmm. These are people that don't need, and in fact, shouldn't have high emotional intelligence because their jobs don't depend upon them, for the most part, interacting with other people. You want them focused on what they're doing. But isn't that that
1: true, though, for them to have a successful life as a human being? Having that emotional intelligence and the emotional quotient will truly help them? Because nobody wants to be a coder for the rest of their lives. That's the entry point. As they develop and grow through management ranks into senior executive levels, don't they have to acquire those skills? Because people say that same thing about accountants, right? People who do not like people and who like numbers and coding go into accounting and IT. But they all, at some point, need to grow up into other careers, even managing their own teams.
2: Oh, you walked into my trap, Cass. You walked into my trap.
1: Good. I want you I'm to gonna, take I'm
2: going co- to quote from an article written by Adam Grant in The Atlantic.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: he says, psychologist, Dana Joseph, University of Central Florida, and Daniel mm-hmm. Newman from University of Illinois, not too far from you, analyzed every study that has examined a link between EI, emotional intelligence, and job performance across hundreds of studies and thousands of employees in 191 different jobs. And it turns out that emotional intelligence wasn't consistently linked to better performance in certain jobs. And among them were accountants and mm-hmm. scientists. And in fact, they found a direct link in those two fields specifically to lower performance because people in those jobs were spending way too much time on trying to develop their skill sets to interact appropriately with other people when really all that mattered was the end result of their coding or their software development or their counting uh, mm-hmm. acumen.
1: So and here so- is a vignette I'm going to paint for you. So take that Take that, uh Response you just gave me as an illustration. And imagine an organization where the CFO has come through the ranks from accountant and this CFO's response to everything is going off the handle if it is not something they like. They lock a person in the room and beat them down until they agree to do whatever the CFO wants the way the CFO wants. And sometimes this CFO also just lays into the teams. And real life situation, it got escalated and entire team was all ready to walk out. And they brought in a coach for the CFO. And the CFO's coach then brought in all the direct reports of the CFO. And after much evaluation of everybody's type and uh, Myers-Briggs and all of these other studies, The recommendation was before your teams present anything to the CFO, why don't you, uh, his or her direct reports, first go and present to her and be at the brunt of the wrath and allow the CFO to get their emotions out so that the CFO looks good outside. That doesn't make for a constructive team. So one by one, everybody starts quitting. There is high turnover. That is not a healthy situation.
2: Oh, I don't think there's any way to argue with those facts,
1: Cass. And, and to
2: me, as a management consultant, what it says is the CEO doesn't have a, uh, an unbiased or an open understanding of what this CFO's uh, issues are and the trouble that she or he is causing by flying off the handle all the time. Because you can't be angry at people that work for you. It just doesn't work, not for the mm-hmm. long term. And I think that it's a, it's a demonstration of sometimes that people within certain industries, within companies, they are in their jobs because of their relationship with a single individual who's higher up in the hierarchy than they are. And that's the only thread they're hanging on to. And the fact that a person exists like that, in your experience, suggests to me that the entire company at the C-level is unencumbered by any concept of emotional intelligence.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because if they were, they wouldn't allow that kind of behavior to go on because in the long term, it simply isn't um it's it's not going to bring value. There's no value proposition, to that type of behavior. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so so like the entire say, teams Yeah, it was a consulting situation. So I got to watch it like an out of body experience from the outside. And the entire approach of the staff was that this was way too toxic. But until I find a better job, I'm just going to show up and do my job. So nobody brought their aid game. Everybody yeah. did whatever they needed to do to hang on to the job. Very
2: sure. and, and that's a terrible way not only to live your life, but to go through life. Mm-hmm. And I would expect that in a great economy, uh, like most people would argue we have now, it's easier to find another job. And those people that threaten to walk out will walk out because if they're good at what they do, they're going to find another job. And perhaps the loss of several key people uh, in key positions, you know, might motivate the CEO or the board to take another look, a harder look at some of their C-level employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I know from my own experience that um, I can remember one client we had for a, a long time. and three different CEOs filtered through this company. But one in particular, I recall, and I was at a meeting with his senior leadership. He probably had his top four or five uh, vice presidents and his CFO in the room. Uh-huh. And a couple of uh, senior managers who were presenting on behalf of their bosses. And this CEO was just, he was a bully. He was absolutely a bully. He treated people pretty much like disposable garbage. Well, like garbage, they were disposable. He figured there'd be another one where that came from. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: he created an atmosphere that was not only toxic, but where people were fearful of speaking their mind openly and presenting what they felt was the right information in order to provide the CEO the data he needed to to create the vision for the company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first time I saw this guy in action, I said to myself, to all the people that I worked with once we left the room. I said, this guy is not going to last. He cannot last. But what happens, particularly in public companies, and this is true in life, once we make a decision, we will look for any way to do what's called confirmation bias. We don't want to admit we made a mistake. And so that is how CEOs and senior leadership stay in their jobs even though the board should know better and has seen that they're not doing a great job mm-hmm. it's the same way that if you see a guy on the side of a road with a brand new mercedes and he's got his hood open and you say oh you got trouble no 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 i'm fine they'll never you like the car yeah it's a great car <laughs> well then why are you on the side of the road with the hood open oh it's nothing it's nothing a mercedes is on their way here right now it's nothing it's it's a human nature not to admit our mistakes, which brings me back to another side of emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. which is being able to openly be accountable for our actions.
1: And not on to that blame thought, others. I am, on that thought of being open, let's go to our second break and come, back because I want you to take the time and elaborate on that.
4: up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. we are listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Cult Box, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the episode, Emotional Intelligence, Authentically Leading Self and Others. Bill, welcome back. Thank you, Kat. So when we were going for a break, you uh, were getting ready to talk about what were the positive attributes uh, of emotional intelligence and how does that help us or lend itself to help us bring out the best in people. So why don't you go and um, elaborate on that, Bill? Sure.
2: And I want to say in advance, before I forget, Uh that we speak of emotional intelligence for leaders. But within every organization, every type of organization, we're all, in effect, leaders. We may be the CEO, or we may be in charge of the janitorial staff. Mm-hmm. Well, we may be the third guy down who was hired on the janitorial staff, but wherever we are within the hierarchy of an organization, and whether it's a nonprofit or government or corporate, whatever, have public, we're all in a position of leadership. We all want to be able to influence people. We all want to learn from other people. And so let's not ever um, conceptualize emotional intelligence as something that only leaders And by definition, leaders in this case, CEOs, the C-level, senior management needs to know. So with that behind me, uh, one of the most important things we can do in talking with other people is for them to believe and truly believe that we're listening to them. We all want to have our voices heard, and Mm -hmm. if we're listening to somebody, And I will, again, bring my own personal experience to bear on this and and be accountable and responsible for my missteps when I was younger. And I still sometimes do it today, unfortunately. When we're listening to somebody else, we don't want to. The last thing we want to do is hear a few key words that might trigger what we think they're going to say at the end and spend that time, instead of listening to them actively, We're starting to formulate our response to what they're saying, because invariably we're going to be wrong. And if we're wrong, they know for sure that we weren't listening to them. But even if we got it right and we figured out what they were going to say, they're still going to understand and maybe not say anything. Bill wasn't really listening to me. He kind of figured out what I was going to say, and he had an answer ready for me. Mm -hmm. And that type of communications is going to break down very quickly. It doesn't lead to trust. Yes. And uh-huh. trust is another key, right? Trust is a key aspect of emotional uh-huh. intelligence. Yes. Yep. And, so and without that trust,
1: listen? there is no relationship.
2: None. You could have every other attribute of emotional intelligence. But if you haven't created trust or you've broken the trust of somebody else, and it doesn't take much to do that. No. Um, in fact... Just making somebody feel wrong, which goes back to, to Maverick's way of doing things, just making people feel wrong, which happens, awful, uh, happens uh, a lot of the time when we're not emotionally intelligent, creates in that person that is being made to feel wrong an unstoppable cascade of physical and psychological attributes. Mm-hmm. They get defensive. They get angry. They get a fight-flee type of response because we're wired to face the saber-toothed tiger physically. You know, yes. 50,000 years ago in the caves, that was our big problem. If we walked in and there was a tiger, <laughs> you better get the heck out.
1: But I wish we today did, we had that as a problem and not all this complicated stuff.
2: <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? just tigers roaming around.
1: It's, it's so interesting you the, say that because it also then means – that in order to raise a family and be a leader of a family as parents, co-parenting, emotional intelligence is so important to raise the children right and give them a fighting shot in adulthood.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I know from having a partner who was a clinical psychologist for many years and doing family uh, marriage counseling and, and, you know, that kind of thing, is you've learned that almost Every couple that comes in ready to break up, when you get back to the root problem, it was communication.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They weren't listening to each other. He doesn't listen to me. I don't listen to him. She never hears what I say. He never listens to anything I say. And it is not a reach to suggest that many of our problems within the business world and within our corporate jobs or government jobs or nonprofit jobs it all leads back to poor communication. And what emotional intelligence does, it provides you with the skill set for being a terrific communicator. And it teaches you how to first manage your own emotions.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that is to say, if somebody says something to you, which normally would get you angry and you would lash out at them and say, you know, you'd yell at them. What are you talking about? That's, I never said that. I never did that. That's not somebody who's managing their emotions. You know, we can't manage what people say to us, but we can definitely manage how we react to what they're yes. saying. Mm-hmm. And so how we react is a big part of the communication process. If, you know, what did Winston Churchill say during the uh, the Blitz of, uh, of England, of London? He said, stay calm and carry on. And mm-hmm. that's a very important part of emotional intelligence is not to react angrily, not to say things without thinking. And one of the things we can do to become more emotionally intelligent when a subordinate or superior is saying something to us that we might very much disagree with instead of lashing out angrily. Listen actively, control your own emotions first, Uh try to understand the emotions of the person that's speaking with you, And before you speak, and boy, if if I had a dollar for everybody that's told me this in my lifetime, Bill, take a three-second pause. Just count to three before you say anything. And you'd be amazed at what that will do to improve your communication and your emotional intelligence by both not reacting to what you've heard Uh and by staying calm and being able to then continue to read the emotions and have empathy for the person that's speaking to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And it immediately diffuses the situation, right?
2: Absolutely. It's, it's verbal jujitsu. If you mm-hmm. don't react to somebody's emotions, if you get out of the way of their emotions, then nothing hits you. You're not hurt. And if you don't get hurt, you're not going to strike back in anger. And so it's kind of a, a very much an analogy to simply deflecting a blow all this, all, but at this point, you're deflecting an emotional blow. Yes, you don't have, to like be angry. you mm-hmm. don't have to be angry because somebody's angry at you because you don't really know why they're angry at you. A lot of times they're bringing their anger from something else, from some other place, and you happen to be the, the person that, that gets it. Although you shouldn't be that person, you are. And so by listening, by actively listening, by understanding our own emotions and not reacting—
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and then then we're able to understand what the other person is feeling or at least we're trying to we have much better communications and that's a big mm-hmm. part of it
1: Yes, but and I love this Daniel Goldman quote which says for leaders the first task in management has nothing to do with leading others step one poses the challenge to knowing and managing oneself so it technically starts with ourselves and the wisdom to know ourselves
2: yeah he's I I don't think any one of us could say he's wrong about that. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, going to our point about how important emotional intelligence is, uh, an article out of uh, Fast Company by, and I hope I don't uh, mess up his name, his name is Harvey Deutschendorf, Mm -hmm. Deutschendorf, uh, and he wrote uh, here, the Carnegie Institute of Technology carried out research that showed that 85% of our financial success was due to skills in, quote, human engineering, end quote, personality and ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead. The study mm-hmm. found that only 15 percent was due to technical ability. In other words, people skills or skills highly related to emotional intelligence were crucial skills. Yes. And, and when you look around, you, you, you wonder why companies sometimes hire a CEO, and you say to yourself, wait a minute, I know more about this business than that guy, and you probably do. But hopefully that guy's bringing in the kind of skill sets that enable you to do your job better than you've ever done it before, which doesn't require that he knows everything that you know technically.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. And to me, my visual mind looks at Simpson as the low EQ, emotional quotient and emotional intelligence. And my high emotional intelligence would be somebody like Yoda, right? Everything yeah. very calm, very thoughtful. And the very essence of, you know, unlearn what you have learned and then let's start anew. Versus, you know, that off-the-cuff, funny, making everybody laugh kind of remarks from... Mr. Simpson doesn't always lead to the kind of outcome we want.
2: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And if, if I may just interject a, a quote here from uh, the same Fast uh, Company article, a Nobel Prize winning Israeli American psychologist, Daniel Kahn, uh, Kahneman, I think mm-hmm. that's how you say his name, found that people would rather do business with a the person they like and trust rather yes. than someone they don't, even if that person is offering a better product at a lower price. Now there's a lesson for every salesperson in every field of sales endeavor out there. Trust and liking someone much more important than product or price.
1: Yes. People buy the relationship first and then engage in the transaction with the people they trust, right?
2: Generally speaking. Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that in one is in, in one industry that I'm involved in, um, which has to do with banking, a lot of banks now put their professional negotiators in the room with the salespeople because they don't want that relationship. They don't want that buyer to purchase based on relationship trust and likability. They want to just buy on price and whatever the technical merits of the equipment are. So it is getting harder for some salespeople to, to use their emotional intelligence in order to affect the sale, uh-huh. but I think long long run, I think it's always the, the, the better guess. The, the yeah. better way to close is to build trust and to build likability. Uh-huh. And, and I to can have to understand.
1: Uh huh. I can understand why businesses want to do that because the relationship is between the salesperson and the client. And if you don't retain your salespeople, they walk away with their book of business coming from the financial services sector. I have seen it happen over and over and over again. When you lose a person, you lose their entire book because all their trusted clients work out with them.
2: Absolutely. And I would say this to the buyers that are out there listening. You know, if you're just buying, you know, on low price, one day you're going to need some extraordinary service for whatever you've bought, and you're not going to get it. And then you can look back on the fact that you say, oh, gee, I paid, you know, 3% less or 2% less but now when I need it most I can't get the kind of service I would have gotten from Bill with whom I had a trusting relationship with and he would do anything to maintain that relationship so if you're basing your relationships on a transactional Mm -hmm. basis only I think long term that hurts everybody
1: definitely does with that wisdom let's take our final break and come back for our last segment
4: your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution the Voice America Empowerment Channel it's your world motivate change succeed
0: if you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker look no further than Dr. Cass Henry Cass is available to speak to your company she also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops these seminars can integrate learning and development customer service processes and financial growth positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
4: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Unleash in our Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the final, episode, final segment of Emotional Intelligence, Authentically Leading Self and Others. Bill, as we come into our final segment, what would be your words of wisdom for people in terms of acquiring the skills of being emotionally intelligent and effectively using it to develop themselves and everybody around them, be it personal or professional? Because as we've discussed, it has a place in our life in general, regardless of personal or professional.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point, Cass. And I think that I would say my concern is the, 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 the age demographics uh, within corporate America these days, where you have lots of millennials, you have people, you know, between the ages of 21, 22, up to uh, 34, I think, or 35, right now would be the cutoff for millennials. These are people who have spent their most of their younger lives on smartphones, texting people, mm-hmm. emailing. They're not even emailing anymore. They they gave up emailing. They're on Telegram. They're on, you know, Instagram, messaging, mm-hmm. Instagram, whatever it is, and they are not acquiring emotional intelligence that way because they're not dealing with people face to face. I remember just recently I was back in touch with an an old girlfriend of mine, a very intelligent woman, uh, and she only wanted to text. I said, let's get on the phone. This is ridiculous. We've known each other for years. She goes, well, you know what? I like texting better because I can say what I mean. I'm not afraid to say what I want to say. And I thought to myself, how is that possibly going to work for you? If you can't talk to somebody face-to-face – and understand how they're feeling and listen to how they're talking to you and watching their body language and being able to self-manage your own um, emotions, Uh then how how will this communication ever work out? So from a standpoint of where we are today with social media, this Uh concerns me greatly in terms of the future of emotional intelligence of the next generation coming up into management because they're not going to know how to read other people, how to read their own emotions, how to be empathetic, and how to be self-actualizing and to do all the things both within themselves and outward facing with regard to their emotional intelligence skills. They're, they're just not, they're not acquiring any. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, I would say that for the generation of people you know, that are over 40, many of them still have, as you said very early in the show, They have no grasp of emotional intelligence, and their companies aren't providing the training that they need to make people more emotionally intelligent. And I'm just going to quote one last uh, uh, study from this article in Fast Company. A -hmm. study by McClelland in 1999 showed that after supervisors in a manufacturing plant received training in emotional, uh, emotional competencies, such as how to listen better, we've been talking about that, Lost time accidents decreased by 50% and grievances went down from 15 per year to three. And the plant itself exceeded productivity goals by a quarter of a million dollars. Back in 99, million million was much more like uh, a million now. Yeah. So, at all levels of the organization, and again, it transcends corporate, profitable, nonprofits, government, it's so critical. And I'll now answer your question. Yes. Companies have a responsibility to their shareholders, to their stakeholders, to their employees, to train people to be higher emotionally intelligent than most of us currently are. And you have to keep training, and you have to keep using those skills that you acquire. And there there has to be feedback so you know you're doing it right. It's not just a one-day training program.
1: Oh, no, it's a lifestyle. You
2: build build that into Uh your company's DNA, and you build it into Uh every person that comes on board.
1: Yes, and that, that's why hiring right is important, right? If you have the sufficient critical mass, then the balance will shift. And a lot of people forget, and you, you're right about texting. There are people of my generation, the latter part of Gen X's, husband and wives don't talk. They text each other. They're sitting next to each other, and they text each other. I ask them why. They say, this way we won't fight. Why would you fight? You both are married. Don't you have to figure out how to talk to one another without fighting? Texting is not the alternative. And yet somehow they're they're afraid to deal with their own self-awareness, manage themselves, learn about the other. And if they can't do it as a couple, then they're not going to pass it on to the children. And 70% of communication is nonverbal, and we're losing 70% of that conversation even before we, you know, open our mouth because we're never opening our mouth.
2: I could could not agree with you more. You're absolutely on point. And, you know, to that to that end as well, part of being emotionally intelligent is being able to argue with somebody constructively. And part of emotional intelligence is to be able to do conflict uh, management, to be Mm -hmm. able to between yourself and somebody else to manage that conflict successfully, or if you have two people on your team or two people on on different teams that you're a superior to, uh, or maybe even a colleague and being able to break down that, that argument and break down the animus into a constructive argument and arguments can be constructive. Uh where Everybody walks away happy and you'll have to learn to forgive and forget. Because if you, if you take that argument with you to the next day and the next day and the next day, you're constantly going to be waiting for something to transpire between you and that person. And I you're totally deflecting agree. a lot of your energy to mm-hmm. areas that are not productive. So, absolutely, emotional intelligence and conflict resolution and conflict management, these are all critical aspects. Uh, An hour's show doesn't allow us to do
1: no, and it to delve doesn't. into
2: all the different areas of emotional intelligence.
1: We should probably do a roadshow for half a day, Bill. But I cannot believe we've come to the end of our hour, and I cannot thank you enough for being available to have this conversation with me. And the reason I wanted you to be part of this dialogue is you and I have reached a professional and personal relationship where we can really push each other and disagree with one another without losing the trust or friendship or respect we have for each other. And one of the things I value about bouncing ideas off of you is that we're okay in not agreeing. And I would love to to see most people do that as well.
2: That's true. And I've waited to say this since they're showing off the air. But as Click and Clack said on their NPR show, your audience has now squandered another hour of their life listening to me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> now, this has been a very very interesting conversation thank you so much bill for coming back on the show helping me have this engaging conversation and i can promise you this is not going to be the last time you're on the show because we are going to continue to have some interesting exciting conversations and appreciate you making the time
2: always and- a pleasure Cass.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. And to our audience, emotional intelligence and its place in authentically leading others is a much needed training and development topic as we build trusted leaders and organizations in our respective communities. That is why the organization I'm a part of, AGA Greater Chicago Chapter, is conducting a two-day conference on June 4th and 5th Um, If you are interested in getting more information or registering for this, please go to your Google browser and type in on the URL line, AGA Greater Chicago Chapter, and download the brochure, look at the information, look at the sessions on building trust, building emotional intelligence, and building win-win partnerships to build a positive civil society. As always, please email me your questions, feedback, suggestions at drcashenry at hotmail.com. And most of all, as you continue with your day-to-day journey, remember, every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So go out there and transform lives. And please don't forget to start with your own.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.